we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for November 18th, 2012. Next report is full-on war in Israel, second Great Depression looms, inflation fears are growing, a bank run is imminent, inevitable civil war, secession movement explodes, uh, and Obama is building his own massive civilian national security force. Get prepared. So these are, see, these are some of the, the topics that we're going to cover here in this next part. And again, we've already kind of reported on this, but we're just going to retouch on it. U.S. warns in Israel... U.S. warns citizens in Israel as Gaza war is happening. The United States is advising citizens inside southern Israel to take appropriate measures as the fighting escalates and has ordered embassy personnel to take shelter and curb all non-essential travel in the southern part of the nation. Obviously, it would be a very dangerous place to be right now. State Department sides with Israel in new Hamas war. Now, this is the State Department. We strongly condemn the barrage of rocket fire from Gaza into southern Israel, and we regret the death and injury of innocent Israeli and Palestinian civilians caused by the ensuing violence. State Department Deputy Spokesperson Mark Toner said in a statement, he said there's no justification for the violence that Hamas and other terrorist organizations are employing against the people of Israel. We call on those responsible to stop these cowardly acts immediately. We support Israel's right to defend itself, and we encourage Israel to continue to take every effort to avoid civilian casualties. Now, I was amazed when I read this. I really was. I was just floored, particularly when we see the this... Uh, devil that we've got in office right now, Obama, and for a second term, who's been beyond anti-Israel, snubbed them on so many occasions. I was very surprised to read this. What I think will eventually happen, and I hate to say this, but eventually, Israel is going to do something where, and I, I hope this doesn't happen, I pray it doesn't happen, where America will say, no, you just crossed the line, Israel. Like, let's say they, 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 they have this war in Gaza. And they take back the land that they gave away, whatever it was, seven years ago. Remember, they're pushing for a Palestinian state. The world government, the United Nations. They want a Palestinian slash to have their own state, even though it was never a country to begin with, as we said before. And then Israel, side by side. Which will be... Another death blow for Israel because, again, they'll just give them more land. They'll split, you know, probably Jerusalem in half. I mean, it, it would be an absolute nightmare. Beyond nightmares. If they can pull that off, then it would be a really gigantically horrific thing. And, again, they're just going to move the rockets in closer and get a better bead on whatever Israelis are, are, are left. And try to finish the job. That's what the Muslims are going to try to do. They're commanded to do it in the Quran. They're commanded to do it in their unholy writings. And they will die trying to do it. That's just the way it is. So, what I'm hoping doesn't happen is like that, let's say Israel launches this ground offensive. They take back the land. It's rightfully theirs. They drive out and kill these these terrorists and they need to die. And then the world starts to condemn Israel for doing such a thing, even after it's been 
beyond provoked over and over and over and over again. And they're just doing it purely out of self-defense. I just shudder for the day when America, and particularly with Obama at the helm, says, no, 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 Israel, we're, now we're against you. Because remember, we're the ones that put the Muslim Brotherhood in, and all these other countries. If it wasn't for America, that would not have happened. And so, ultimately, we're on the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, we have a Muslim in office. We've proven that over and over again, that Obama was brought up a Muslim. He's admitted to this much. His allegiance is to Islam. It's not to this country, it's to Islam, it's to Allah. And how that's going to go down, I, I can't say for sure. I don't know, but I believe that it's all set up to happen. Right now we're issuing statements like this. I hope we continue to issue statements like this, the one that I just read from the State Department. And I was very surprised to see that. But I do believe there's going to be something that happens that is going to, where we're going to have supposedly some excuse to turn our back on Israel and say that we don't condone this anymore, and then Israel, you're on your own. And that's probably going to be by design from God's standpoint, because he is probably going to try to get them to a point where they're forced to totally be reliant on the, on the Lord. I don't know, but I, that's how I see it possibly playing out. So anyway, um, going further. Now, this whole debacle with the uh, Petraeus scandal this last week, two weeks or whatever, the lady that was the second lady that was implicated. Jill Kelly. Okay, she was the one that supposedly blew the whistle on, uh, called the FBI, and um, was the one that got this whole ball rolling. Okay, Jill Kelly helped Muslim nations. Jill Kelly, I believe, is a Muslim. Uh, also helped Hezbollah infiltrate Central Command at McDill believe Air Force Base, and she was the go-to girl for Muslim parties with generals. She looks like a Muslim, if you see her. Jill, and I don't know if this is her, her maiden name, was Kawam Kelly. Kelly is obviously her married name. Kawam, I believe, was her maiden name. Jill Kawam Kelly was a hand-picked lobbyist for Muslim nations and their agenda at Central Command. She's the one with the, with not, not the one that Petraeus was having the affair with, but the one that has real dark black hair and has like Middle Eastern features. Okay? Kelly is the one, is part of the soap opera that the Petraeus scandal spawned and was in charge of hosting parties and social events to push the Islamic agenda of the Middle East countries. So we know she was evil and satanic. Okay? She was seen by the Muslim Middle East nations, especially the Hezbollah-controlled Lebanon, as the go-to woman to push their agenda on top to, to the uh, top American generals. Okay, so continuing. She was a lobbyist for their cause and yet wasn't required to register like a lobbyist. Like all others who host lavish parties for top American officials, uh, like she did, in an attempt to influence the U.S. policy in the Middle East. Kelly, who was of Lebanese descent, was well known in the Arab, Muslim Arab 
embassies of Washington for doing their bidding and hosting their parties at and or near MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa, where our nation's top generals are based. It's where Central Command, the U.S. Armed Forces leadership over war and over wars and military personnel in the Middle East is actually even headquartered. So she couldn't have been in a in a better position to do as much damage, depending on how you're looking at it, damage to the American military or promotion of Islam. She couldn't have been in a better position. When a friend, now this is the guy writing the article, um, when a friend of, or the lady, I'm sorry, Debbie Shushel, when a friend of mine said that he thought the financially troubled Kawam sisters, now remember, this is, I believe her maiden name, Kawam, Jill Kawam, um, the financially troubled Kawam sisters, who are Kelly and Natalie Kawam, um, were spies for Lebanon and the Arab world, I originally expressed skepticism. But when I learned that Miss Kelly, who was until this week under the radar, was quietly involved in pushing the agenda of Muslim Arab nations on our nation's top generals, with whom she'd grown close to by design. I don't think it's a coincidence that Miss Kelly got her hooks into our two top generals in the Middle East, being David Petraeus and John Allen. Because now there's two generals implicated in this whole sex scandal mess thing. Now I'm convinced that my friend lawyer, Gary Welsh of Advanced Indiana, who has excellent instincts, was correct. I've long written about the infiltration of the Central Command at MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa by Islamic terrorists. Islamic Jihad founder and convicted Islamic terrorist Sami al-Aran was an instructor on the Middle East to our top generals at MacDill Air Force Base at the very same time that he was planning mergers and terrorist attacks in Israel with the brothers of Hamas. And while he was bringing the Muslim illegal alien Islamic terrorists to the United States. Sounds like a great guy. And he was the one that was instructing our generals. Again, this is all by design. The infiltration of Islam into America, into local politics, into you know, obviously starting up mosques and in, in trying to implement Sharia law and now into the military. Obviously, we have a president who's Islamic. So, I mean, doesn't get much worse from that standpoint. So, when people ask me how I think these women were able to insert themselves into the top generals' lives and topple them, I think back to the fact that our top generals gladly allowed top terrorists to infiltrate the Central Command as alleged professors on the Middle East. And when the generals like Petraeus and Norman Schwarzkopf Jr. openly attack Israel and America's relationship with Israel, people like Jill Kawam Kelly... And these Muslim terrorist professors are the reason why. In other words, they've been brainwashed, these generals. Kuwam Kelly isn't an, in, an innocent socialite. She is an agent of influence for the Arab Muslim nations. And obviously, we know exactly what she's doing. The, the people that are... I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it's been with Obama's blessing all of this has happened. I guarantee you that Jill Kuwam Kelly wasn't hosting visits from dignitaries from Israel. And other other than those from Israel, every single Mi- Middle Eastern diplomat in Washington is a Muslim. 
Most of them are Muslim Arabs, and all of them Muslims with an agenda that's anti-Israel and anti-Western, and definitely not in America's best interest. They come to Tampa for one reason, and one reason only, to ingratiate themselves with the top military brass at CENTCOM and at MacDill Air Force Base, and Jill Kawam Kelly was their social director in that mission. And she's the one that got this all started. Kelly's sister, Natalie Kawam, was married to a top Bush administration official, Grayson Wolf, who was the director of the broader Middle East initiatives and Iraqi reconstruction at the Export-Import Bank of the United States, and frequently accompanied him on trips to the Middle East, including Pakistan. Before that position, Wolf was the Bush-installed manager of the private sector development office of the Coalition of Provisional Authority in Baghdad, Iraq. I wonder how many of Kawan's insider Arab Muslim friends that she orchestrated sweetheart contracts for. I mean, this is treason. Traitors. Further update. Jill Kelly, the woman at the heart of the David Petraeus scandal, had a tour of the White House just days before the CIA, CIA head's resignation. General Petraeus is a four-star general, and then the top one, I believe, in the Middle East, and then became the head of the CIA recently. Guess what? Good old Jill Kelly had a tour of the White House just days before David Petraeus, General David Petraeus, resigned after the sex scandal broke. I'm sure there's no correlation there at all with all of this. Kelly sparked a chain of events that led Petraeus' political demise after turning over Paula Broadwell's allegedly threaten, threatening emails to the FBI. She supposedly had threatening emails from Paula Broadwell regarding Petraeus. The Tampa Temptress, this is another story, the Tampa Temptress at the center of the CIA sex scandal got a tour of the White House just five days before David Petraeus resigned as the head of the spy agency. Jill Kelly's November 4th visit was arranged by a White House lawyer who first met her at MacDill Air Force Base, uh, the Tampa military facility where the Islamic agent has also got to know Petraeus. Jill Kelly visited the White House complex three times this year, once for a tour with her family and children and twice for courtesy meals at the White House with her sister and a White House staffer, the statement read. She's been there three times this year. And guess what? One was five days before the, the scandal broke. Um, and then the next one, where the two earlier trips were on September 28th and October 24th. Sounds like they may have been planning this for a long time. She just so happens to have literally went to the White House three times since September 28th. <laughs> I'm sure there's no correlation there. Now, why would they try to do this? Why would they try to get Petraeus out of there? Well, because of the next thing. When Petraeus was interviewed, what they were trying to do is discredit Petraeus and any testimony he might bring about Benghazi. Because if they can discredit him and say he's the slime ball, then his testimony must not be of any worth or value either. Now, then, to, to bolster this point, when Petraeus was finally interviewed regarding this, and I think what they were going to do with this is say, listen, um, Petraeus, you need to uh, 
keep your mouth shut, or we're going to expose this. Maybe they didn't even give him that option. I don't know. Maybe they knew he wasn't going to keep his mouth shut about what he was told regarding Benghazi. But either way, they decided to go ahead and pull the plug and, and expose. They, they always have all kind of stuff on guys at this level. You don't get to that level unless, unless they've got all kind of stuff to blackmail you with. It's well known. Whether it be governors, senators, congressmen, whatever. You get to that level, they've got all kind of things they can blackmail you with. And this is the, the, the particular thing that they decided to use. The next article is entitled, Petraeus, New Almost Immediately. The Al-Qaeda-linked group, which, we, which America was working with, was responsible for Benghazi. I, when this first came out, I even told you, and they won't, they're not even talking about this, the fact that they didn't even have live ammo to defend themselves at that embassy. The Marines were not given live ammo. Why isn't that mainstream news? That was straight from the, from the military admitted that. On one of their military blogs. No, no, we're not going to quite go that far. That's the real scandal. They weren't allowed to defend themselves? Why would you take away live ammo when you're surrounded by terrorists and you knew a terrorist attack was coming? Because you want the death and destruction. David Petraeus is going to tell members of Congress that he knew almost immediately, he did, he's already done this, that he knew almost immediately after the September 11th attacks, now we're not talking 9-11, okay, the the twin trade towers falling. We're talking about this attack just so happened to occur on 9-11 of this year. He knew almost immediately after September 11th attack that the group, Anasser al-Shahiri, the Al-Qaeda sympathizing group in Libya, were responsible for the attacks. He knew almost immediately. Now, there's been this big cover-up, and the White House said, oh, we didn't know, and this and that. You know, it was a big thing with the campaign. And, and they, they wanted to wait for this whole thing to deal with it until after the elections, because it would have made it harder for them to rig the elections, which the elections were clearly rigged, and I'm going to go into that not too long from now either. And we've already went into that in, previous, in the last teaching, but... Um, they didn't want that controversy on top of everything else they were trying to do. I mean, it's hard to rig an election on the scale they did. And they had enough to deal with. So they didn't want this Benghazi thing coming out in the midst of all that. And this is why this has all come out after the election. Okay, so the next bullet point reads, Intel officials unable to say who changed the CIA talking points on Libya. Former CIA Director David Petraeus stoked the controversy over the Obama administration's handling of the Libya terror attack, and this is why this is all coming out, so that he can be discredited, he can be used as, I don't know, fall guy type of deal. Uh, They evidently knew this was going to happen. Maybe they thought they could control him, and they realized that even if they blackmailed him, he's going to talk. And... This is why I believe this all came out. So, David Petraeus stoked the controversy over Obama administration's handling of the Libya terror attack, testifying Friday that references to the, quote, Al-Qaeda involvement were stripped from his agency's original talking points. While other intelligent officials were unable to say who changed the memo, according to top lawmakers who were briefed. 
So in other words, he told them right off the bat that this was a terrorist attack. Al-Qaeda was involved, who we've worked with. And then, but originally when this all came out, the Obama administration was saying like, oh, no, it wasn't, you know, they weren't admitting to those things. So now it's like their word against his word. If they can discredit him, his word means a lot less. This is the reason all of this sex scandal broke. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't want to like go too far into that, but I, I wanted to at least kind of touch on that. So this is the next report. <clears throat> Second Great Depression looms. Tax, hike, tax hikes on the rich will not solve fiscal woes. The Obama administration's plans to hike taxes on the wealthiest 2% of the population by 100 to $150 billion will do little to solve the country's fi- fiscal imbalances and do nothing to avoid economic depression that looms large for the country, said Peter Morici, a professor at the Robert H. Smith School of Business in the University of Maryland. He goes on to say, this will hardly be enough to right the nation's shaky finances. Failure to address deep-rooted fiscal imbalances could seriously damage the U.S. economy. Yeah, Well, you know, when you print money out of thin air, and you do it for decades and decades and decades, and there's nothing back in it, something's got to give eventually. You know, you just can't keep printing Monopoly money that has nothing back in it and expect it to just keep going forever and no repercussions to ever come of it. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Then he goes on to say a great, second Great Depression would grip the nation. See, we're already in a depression. But the thing is, is unlike the depression of the 1930s, every, they didn't have that welfare system set up back then. Now... You've got, what, is it like 52% of the population on welfare in some way, shape, or form? So you've got the majority of the country totally dependent on the state. They're not going to typically bite the hand that's feeding them. They're going to go along with what's, and they're not going to make a big fuss about it. As long as their TVs are still working, as long as their electronics are still working, as long as they got food in their bellies, and they can have their bread and circuses, they're not going to do a whole lot. Uh, but we're, we're in a depression, it's just this time the government is, is basically taking care of the vast majority of people. If that wasn't in place, you would have rioting in the street, you would have had, it would have been horrific, a long, long, long time ago, regarding the repercussions. Okay, But the New World Order wants to create a totally dependent slave class that is easy to control. This is why the middle class has to be financially devastated and wrecked and eliminated physically so that they can implement the New World Order. Because they do not want free thinkers, they do not want people that are Bible-believing, Constitution-believing, these types of things, pro-life, Pro Second Amendment, pro First, I mean, you know, pro First Amendment, the whole nine yards, freedom of speech, that type of thing. They don't want people like that. And if you're being controlled by an entity, you don't have a whole lot of, you know, say if the entity's, you know, giving you your food and water and providing shelter, you're not going to have a whole lot of uh, say regarding telling that entity what to do. And again, it's all by design. So, next report. President Barack Obama should insist on a tax increase for the wealthy, even if that triggers a leap off the fiscal cliff, says legendary investor Warren Buffett. 
the economy can survive a two-month period to reach an agreement over the $607 billion in tax increases and spending cuts now set for January 1st, he tells CNN. So, good old Warren Buffett is, uh, you know, telling us, don't worry about the fiscal cliff, uh, everything will be just fine. You know, so if he says, he says it, I guess we should all believe it. Uh, a new census now measured, measure shows that a record 49.7 million people in the U.S. are now considered poor. Bigger that number grows, the more the welfare state type grows, the more dependent people get on government, the more they're going to impose, be able to impose their will without impunity when things really get bad. This is what they've been trying to do. Um, next report is entitled, We Have No Future, EU Angers, Anger Unites Millions in Protests. Massive anti-austerity strikes and protests swept across Europe as millions took to the streets to express their frustration over the rising unemployment and dire economic consequences. Many rallies ended with violent clashes with police. Workers marched in 23 countries across Europe to mark the European Day of Action and Solidarity. So they're, they're pretty much up in arms over in Europe as well. It's not just America, obviously. So, next article. With the media fixated on the fiscal cliff... No one seems to be noticing the fact that the FDIC's expanded 100% coverage for insured deposits in banks ends January 1st, 2013. As of January 1st, 2013, the FDA will stop offering 100% coverage for all insured deposits. That amounts to $1.6 trillion in deposits. 80 to 90% deposited within the too-big-to-fix megabanks. Once the insurance ramps back to $250,000, which is the FDIC risk amelioration offered to large depositors, this will cause them to flee from the insecurity to the much-reduced FDIC coverage. This money will rotate immediately into short-term treasury securities. The treasury, in order to handle this flood of money, will immediately offer negative interest rates. That's interesting, negative interest rates. The financing will resemble the 0.5 negative interest rates offered by the Swiss and the Germans on the funds flooding to their banks from Spain, Greece, and Italy. This will be a bank run much larger than the Eurobank's flight to safety. I've been saying for a long, long time, get your money out of paper or the banks. Keep the bare minimum in there to pay your bills or even better yet, Go get money orders to pay your bills. Go to the post office, get postal money orders, or wherever you can go. Use that to pay your bills. You have it in a bank, it could all be gone tomorrow. You have anything in paper, IRAs, whatever you have in paper, it there is a gigantic chance that when things go down, you will never ever see that money again, or if you do, you'll see it at an incredibly reduced rate. So... I've been saying that for a long, long time to get out of paper. And not me, just a whole bunch of other people that are way smarter than me in regard to financial matters. Uh, Next report. Succession movement gains momentum trying to save America. Now, um, host... Radio host Alex Jones today called for a second American revolution led by states who would secede from the federal government and reconstitute the republic under the terms of the Declaration of Independence Bill of Rights and Constitution. 
The call for Americans to rally behind a restoration of the Republic and the Bill of Rights comes on the back of a burgeoning secessionist movement that has swept the country with residents from all 50 states submitting petitions to the White House calling for states to withdraw from the Union and form their own independent governments. The petitions have received a combined number of signatures totaling over one million. During his nationwide broadcast today, Jones laid out the battle plan for secession, emphasizing that states must first secede from their federal government, which has gone rogue, and then use the terms of the Declaration of Independence to restore the public restore the Republic, not and not create a new country. Radio host also put the call out for Congressman Ron Paul to head up such a movement and utilize this vast network of grassroots liberty-loving activists to lead the charge. I love this, how Alex Jones was, like, done with, with Ron Paul after he basically, you know, did another betrayal at the end of his campaign this last time. And, and again, I've done stuff on Ron Paul, okay? I've done stuff on on him that he's not what you think he is. And that totally proved it to me when, when he basically, all of these... The, the vote fraud that went on leading up to who they were deciding for the Republican represent. I mean, it was it was massive, just like the first time he ran. And hardly a peep out of the guy. Why? Same reason Mitt Romney didn't give a fuss when he lost to Obama. And clearly he didn't lose. But we've not heard hardly a peep out of the guy at all. Same exact reason, because it's a script they're all following. You don't get to that level unless the Illuminati lets it happen. Unless the New World Order boys, the globalists, the elitists, let it happen. You don't get there out of goodness and virtue and whatever. You don't. And Alex Jones, I, you know, it had been apparent he was done with Ron Paul after he considered this basically a traitor sack. Now he's back, right up, right back on the bandwagon. All is forgiven. All is forgotten. And we want Ron Paul to lead this movement in secessionism. Like the New World Order would ever let that happen. I've seen enough with the corrupt court systems, just seeing what my parents went through when they got their, their multi-million dollar company essentially stolen from them because the court system was totally bought and paid for by the family that stole it from them. Um, I've seen enough of the corruption of the court system in my lifetime, just the court system alone, to realize there is no way the New World Order would ever let one state secede, much less 50 and also, when we've given most of the country away to, to countries like China, where like they own the Panama Canal, and all kind of assets in our country have been given away to foreign interests, you think they're going to let the secession movement happen? It's, it's noble and everything, and I'm not saying I'm against it. I just know there's no way it's going to happen. And the thing is, is there's no Bible for it happening. There's no Bible saying that, you know what? Towards the end, there's going to be a great push towards um, righteousness and purity, and we're going to take back what Satan has stolen. No, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, In order for the Antichrist and the false prophet to come to power, do you think the, the days are going to be more righteous, or are they going to be darker? There's no Bible. It's, it's not like the Dominionists believe, where they're going to make things better and better and better to the point where Jesus Christ is just going to come back and set up his, his kingdom here on earth, and we're not going to have to go through the tribulation. There, there's, no, there's, no, there's no Bible for the secessionist movement working and them taking back the states and restoring a republic. 
It, there's no Bible for it at all. I don't. I don't believe there's a snowball's chance, and you know where of this happening. I I was on that bandwagon for a lot of years. My dad kind of got into that when he was trying to get his company back, and you know what? All I ever really ever ultimately saw was failure, because the court systems are rigged. The people in that system, the people in high-level politics. These people are Luciferians. They are closet Satanists. They are controlled by the Illuminati, who is controlled by Satan and his fallen angels and his demons and devils. And biblically speaking, we just have no Bible for things getting all of a sudden better. And there being some massive revival worldwide where people, you know, end up getting converted and get saved. I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't have it on a local level, but on a, on a mass scale, I don't see it from a biblical standpoint happening. You know? We earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We fight, okay, in that regard, biblically, spiritually, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And we put on the full armor of God. And, and yes, and, that, and those types of things. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, my servants would fight. You know, meaning fighting literally to, to preserve. You know, and, and I just don't see things moving in the direction where the secessionist movement. It'd be great. Yeah, if it happened, it'd be wonderful. I'm not saying I'm against it. It's just that I see no Bible for it. And as corrupt and as wicked and as evil things are, there's no way the Illuminati would let that, uh-uh, not going to happen. So, um, anyway, Obama supporters are already already calling for these secessionists who have signed these petitions online to be deported. Leftist control freaks are attempting to turn the call for states to secede from the Union into a thought crime. By asking the government to have its advocates stripped of their citizenship, deported, and exiled. These Obama-whatever supporters want this type of even uh, thing to be a thought crime. Secessionist fervor, fervor has been met with status backlash of all other Americans, primarily supporters of Barack Obama. Filing counter petitions, petitions asking the government to quote strip the citizenship from everyone who signed a petition to secede and exile them. These are just devils, just absolute degenerate devils. No First Amendment. No, no, they don't believe in the First Amendment, and it, it, the, the, only they have First Amendment. Nobody else does. A similar petition calls on the Obama administration to, quote, deport everyone that signed a petition to withdraw from their state uh, from the United States of America. One of the petitions attempting to characterize secessionists as thought criminals is just about, at the time of the writing, who knows it might already have this, 4,700 signatures short of the 25,000 target that would automatically mandate a White House review. A figure already surpassed by at least seven of the petitioners calling for secession. Many Obama-supporting Twitter users have also voiced their desire to see secessionists targeted by the government merely for for voicing a political grievance. And I read some of them. They're not even appropriate to read on air. I tell you, these people that literally are in that Obama-supporter, radical, 
liberal mindset. These people are some really degenerative evil people. I mean, talk about having your conscience seared with a hot iron and being given over to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and speaking lies and hypocrisy, like the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy 4.1. They fit into that category unbelievably. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So, going further, um, next report is entitled, He's Not Joking, Obama is Building His Own Massive Civilian National Security Force. A previous report reads, America's brown shirts, like Hitler's brown shirts, Homeland Security graduates its first core of homeland youth. Homeland youth. We're really getting Nazification here going on, like the motherland and the homeland. I mean, just some really Nazification terms here. On September 13th, 2012, the Department of Homeland Security graduated its first class of FEMA Corps Youth, a.k.a. the Homeland Youth. The federal government calls them FEMA Corps. They conjure up memories of the Hitler Youth of the 1930s. Regardless of their name, the Department of Homeland Security has just graduated its first class of 231 Homeland Youth, aged I don't know why they call them Homeland Youth if they're aged 18 to 24. That seems a little more youth to me. But And they recruited from the President's AmeriCorps volunteers. They represent the first wave of the DHS, DHS Youth Corps. Designed specifically to create a full-time, paid, standing army of FEMA youth across the country. Now, Taylor's giving me the thumbs up. I, I, I enrolled her yesterday. I, I mean, I'm kind of wondering... I want to see her, you know, progress in life. And I figure, you know, the government's the only one that's going to have any jobs. And so, why not FEMA? I mean, why not go for it? You know, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And I'm just kidding. Teasing. Anyway, so, um, next report, Obama's civilian army, the FEMA Corps, just graduated its first class. Remember when Barack Obama asked for a civilian defense force as strong and well-funded as the U.S. military? Let me give you that quote. The quote was, quote, This is from Obama, and I think you're going to hear this in a second in this clip I'm going to play. We cannot continue to rely on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives we've set. What an asinine statement that is. Then he goes on to say, we've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. And he should have added on there, just as sold out to Satan. Because <laughs> that's exactly what we're dealing with here. Hey, can you imagine the little narky snitch devils these would be? Because they could go around in plain clothes and just be absolute little spies everywhere. I just put an article out yesterday. It's like up to seven years in prison for washing uh, your car. Like if you wash it in your driveway in San Diego now, they've got ordinances on the books. Or if you don't pick up your dog poop, seven years in prison. And they've got a whole little snitch line that you can call to turn your neighbors in. How sickening. What a sickening, evil, vile country that this is turning into. As I said, like I said last week, there's we're, we're, every one of us are breaking laws every single day, and we don't even know it. Because there's so many unjust, evil laws on the books now. 
You can't not be not breaking the law on a daily basis. You just It's impossible. And that's what they want to do. They want to pigeonhole everyone. So that they're constantly in this paranoid, freaked out, oh my word, am I going to go to jail state all the time. In fear of Big Brother. That's what they want to create. And again, it's something we need to get on our knees and pray against. Because it is pure wickedness and evil. So... <clears throat> Well, here's Obama's first graduating class of the FEMA Corps, as we just reported. The kid in the video sums sums it up pretty well. How disturbing this is when he says, we really don't know what our job is, and we're going to play the video in a second, uh, while adding that he will go wherever the government sends him. So he's like this mindless Obama robot, and he's going to go over wherever the government sends him. We really don't know what our job is. and then it goes on to say, nothing like a little brown shirt army to have at your beck and call. And so here, I'm going to go ahead and play this little video. I believe this is Glenn Beck's show. Hey, Stu. Hey, Stu. Do you yes. remember, how long was it, how long ago was it that I said uh, that um, AmeriCorps is, uh, is going to be working with the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA? And it's not going to be a good thing. Remember they mocked me for that in 08, 09? Well, how long ago was it when uh, Barack Obama said... Um, we cannot continue to rely only on our military mm-hmm. in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Just as strong. I don't even understand that. Okay, now that's the quote I just read. You were hearing it straight from the horse's mouth, or straight from Satan's mouth in this case. What did they say that that meant? Because uh, there's no way... I mean, what does that mean? Did they say that meant... Um, it, it, I, don't, I don't remember what they said that meant. Do you? I don't. Is a civilian force just as strong, powerful, and well-funded as the U.S. military? I forget what the excuse was, but it was. It was like, oh, that you guy, you conspiracy junkies. <laughs> yeah. oh, boy, that's what? nothing. That's what crazy. are you talking about? Oh, please. I, I thought it was sort of like a knock on, like, that, you know, Republicans just want to spend money on the military. Like, we need to also take seriously our, you know, our country here, and we need to have civilians doing things for Americans. It's not just invading other countries. The ones, no. Yeah, he's like, saying, but he's saying a, a, a civilian... Yeah. Defense force, right. yeah, just as strong, powerful, and well-funded. Yeah. What are they going to do? Change people's tires? I mean, nice. you don't really need a real powerful force to do that. No, no. What about checking mm-hmm. tire pressure, though? Well, that you need no, to be and, fairly strong. And if you're checking you tire pressure, if you're checking, I love sarcastic humor. <laughs> so they're going to check tire pressure instead of just actually changing the tires. Tire pressure, you you wouldn't. Uh, I, I got news for you. Um, you don't. That's not a defensive move. Uh, what about that? What about like in in car vacuuming? That you got to reach okay. all the cars. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, in car vacuuming. I mean, also maybe some things done to the upholstery, uh, kind of detailing of the cars themselves, engine detailing, um, possibly chroming the muffler tips, uh, maybe even chroming the wheels, putting little chromies on the um, the valve stems. Remember those chromies? Uh, stuff like that. You know, maybe fuzzy dice. They could install fuzzy dice to the uh, rearview mirror. Uh, maybe custom, I don't know, running boards. Even on cars. I mean, running boards on cars. What, what more could you really want in life? Uh, custom vanity plates as well. 
I'm just thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm pointing out some things we could have. Obviously, maybe you can install some fog lights and uh, maybe even get into body modification, like installing sunroofs, spoilers, uh, hood scoops, things of this nature. So, and, and just something to think about. So, so I got on the air, and we even made, do you remember we made the little uh, AmeriCorps uniform? Yeah, yeah yes. we made the AmeriCorps uniform, yes. and I... I'd hate to say this, but I have one hanging in my closet. I mean, I, I, I am a little closet Nazi brown shirt, and I'll make no apologies for it. It was pilloried in the press for saying AmeriCorps is going to be folded into the Department of Homeland Security in FEMA. <clears throat> Let me give you this local TV report from earlier this week. Listen from a severe weather event. And today, a class of young graduates in Anston made history. As CBS 42's Tiffany Westry explains, these 18 to 24-year-olds could be the ones helping you the next time your family faces a crisis. This group of graduates have their orders. We really don't know exactly what our job description is as of right now, but we're hoping to find out more, and we'll be more than willing to work anywhere they put us. Many will soon head to the Gulf Coast to respond to recent hurricanes. We are the first class ever to have this kind of a partnership, and we're looking really forward to working with FEMA and seeing what we can do to help survivors. As a new branch of AmeriCorps, these 231 FEMA Corps grads will spend the next 10 months helping the nation respond and recover from disasters. That's great! We're trying to help City Hall's fix get uh, the necessities that people need, Mm -hmm. utilities back online so that they can just get back to normalcy. Sure. Joseph Trimble is a Montgomery native and has many friends who've been touched by tragedy, from the Tuscaloosa tornado to Hurricane Katrina. We're helping others, and it's just as much helping ourselves. We're able to help the community, which really just makes the whole United States a better, stronger. It really does. It really this does. First group of FEMA <laughs> Hope you guys are armed. Will be a model for hopefully thousands more young people. Hopefully. Will be Let's hope that there are thousands more. During times of okay. Disaster. Okay. All right. So All stop. Right. So <laughs> you know, we're going to post this, uh, but I want you to—I I want you to see this. They're wearing AmeriCorps. Uniform. Department of Homeland Security uniforms. This is a FEMA Department of Homeland Security program. Let me tell you something. Since when do we need a new division of people going out and helping on hurricane? That's what we do. They're taking our job away. That's our job. That's our job as churches and communities. That's our job. FEMA is always the last one there. When we had the tornadoes, Mercury One was one of the first groups on the on the scene. Churches are always the first on the scene. And when FEMA finally got to the uh, the tornadoes uh, the last season, when they finally got there, if you remember right, it was two days later, and they started telling people, "You can't clean this up. You don't have a permit. You, you can't clean this up." Remember? What, what do we need these people for? Why are we spending money on this? And I need need to remind you of the excellent job that they're doing uh, regarding Sandy, coming the whole Frankenstorm, Sandy, that was created. And um, I'll read you something that a listener sent me on that Frankenstorm a little bit later in the broadcast. Uh, but again, they're there... They're, um, FEMA is, is is a very very inept governmental bloated evil organization, 
And they're, they're not there to help. They are there to ultimately implement a big brother into society. And, and essentially, again, you could do a whole study on them, but let's go further. This is the first class wearing the Department of Homeland Security uniform. Not good, gang. Not good. Really not good. I don't know. My favorite line in that is, uh, we, don't, we don't really know what our job description is, but we're willing to help out. <laughs> Should that bother you? You just graduated from a class on it. You don't know what you do? That's how solid this economy is. People just take jobs. They don't even know what they are. Yeah, I don't know what we're supposed to do. We're just... It is creepy. I think it's we're like really creepy. Kid, kitty cats. We're just throwing kitty cats into traffic. I think that's our job. Whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> I think so many people are willing to do that. But you're right. Like even if you beyond the churches and beyond everything else, well, isn't that what regular FEMA is for? Why do we need a new? Why do we need FEMA the sequel if we have FEMA the original plus churches, charities, and individuals? It's not the government's position. The only thing I can think of is that we really need a... You uh, cannot continue to rely uh, only uh, uh, right. on our military That's what in it order is, to achieve is. the national security objectives that we've set. Mm. So that that was the clip there. I just wanted to kind of play that to drive this point home here. Um, obviously, I'm not endorsing Glenn Beck or whatever. He's a Mormon, and I've done... If you want to know the studies I've done exposing Glenn Beck, just can Beck in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. But obviously... There's things you can glean, and there was a lot of truth that they went over there. And uh, here's a DVD entitled Camp FEMA, and uh, gets into the whole FEMA camp thing. There's a You can order that. I have nothing to do with it, but this is through cutting edge. Uh, next report. President Obama graduates his first class of e- his internal army. This cadre will be under control of FEMA. It is serious business indeed if these young men are comparable to the Hitler youth, these FEMA Corps. Uh, Adolf Hitler used his Hitler youth to disrupt political meetings of his rivals and later to train and recruit future members of his, quote, Storm Regiment. They were designed to nurture future Nazi Party leaders, and only the most radical and devoted Hitler youth members could expect to attend. Adolf Hitler considered these young soldiers in a very special way and were viewed as the future Aryan Superman and were indoctrinated into anti-Semitism. One aim was to instill the motivation that would enable the Hitler Youth members as soldiers to fight faithfully for the Third Reich. Does President Obama view his young internal army as the, in the same manner? I think it is highly likely for the past 16 years, this is cutting edge, we have warned the coming New World Order is simply a revival of Nazism. Our first article on the subject, and there's a link to it here, was entitled Parallels Between Nazism and the Bush-Clinton-Bush New World Order. So as we return to our feature news story, we see that Homeland Security is planning to equip their young soldiers with heavily, very heavily. Uh, the DHS raised is raising an armed army over the past two years. Obama has signed a number of executive orders suspending all civil and constitutional rights and, lure, and turning over management of an American of America under martial law to FEMA which is just pure evil. Since these young soldiers are members of FEMA, we should all be very concerned that we genuine patriots might one day be arrested and even perhaps executed by this youth army. Remember, FEMA and DHS have been buying billions of rounds of heavy ammunition. Might this FEMA youth corps, in part, be the planned recipient of all this heavy military equipment and all this ammunition? FEMA has even ordered 2,500 brand new GLS armored fighting vehicles. From the beginning, 
When Obama announced his plan for these youth soldiers, I believed it was more like the recreation of Hitler's youth than just workers to be used in emergencies. Now that I see the equipment with, with which they could be equipped, I am greatly alarmed. These young soldiers can be used to implement the coming absolute dictatorship. Just as the protocols of the learned elders of Zion said, um, young men can be specially brainwashed, can be the most brutal. And this is from Protocol 11, Paragraph 3, which says, again, this is like the blueprint for the New World Order. Um, now, and there's a link here, I'll just say this now. If you believe the protocols that have been proven to be a forgery, we debunk that incorrect notion in the DVD, The Protocols of Zion, The Plot Against Israel. Okay, so there's a link there if you think these are forged. And I think the thing is, is it totally lines up with what they are doing. So if they're a forgery, they're lining exactly up with what Satan's trying to implement worldwide. Protocol 11, paragraph 3 says, <clears throat> They should recognize once and for all that we are so strong. They meaning the sheeple people. The people that need to be exterminated, essentially, on the planet. They should recognize once and for all that we are so strong, so super abundantly filled with power, that in no case shall we take any account of them, and so far from paying any attention to their opinions or wishes, we are ready and able to crush with irresistible power all expression or manifestation thereof at any moment in every place. That we have seized at once everything we wanted and shall in no case divide our power with them. Then in fear and trembling they will close their eyes to everything and be content to await what will be the end of it all. End of quote. This is how the New World Order, or Satan, the globalists, whatever you want to call them, view us. View anybody that's not at the top end of the food chain, essentially. This is how they view us. Okay. Then it goes on to say, in paragraph 4, protocol 11, the goyim, which is like this derogatory term for, for, the, um, for us, essentially. Anybody that would not want the the New World Order, or resist it in any way, shape, or form. The Goyim are a flock of sheep, and we are their wolves. And you know what happens when the wolves get a hold of the flock. There is another reason also why they will close their eyes, for we shall keep promising them to give back all the liberties we have taken away as soon as we have quelled the enemies of peace and tamed all parties. Remember that quote I read? I think in the last teaching, teaching before that, they that, that will exchange their, you know, liberty for freedom or freedom for liberty deserve neither. You don't give up your freedom. You don't give up your liberty. You, you, you fight to keep them, in other words. You don't just, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. We've got to suspend all, all you know, whatever the Constitution or, or, or whatever laws are in the books, because we have a really big disaster to deal with here. So it's just got to be that way. Remember, they have said, we shall keep promising them to give back all their liberties we have taken away as soon as we have quelled the enemies of peace and tamed all parties. It is not worth to say anything about how long a time they will be kept waiting for this return of their liberties. They're not coming back once they take them. Satan will only take. He's not going to give. So here's a, a little thing I got from uh, Chick Publications this week. 
And it was entitled World, uh, it goes on to say, World Politics is in a dead run to try to eliminate Christ- the Christian witness from off the face of the earth. However, we are instructed to actively occupy the world and resist the Antichrist movements as long as we can. For over a hundred years, Bible colleges such as Yale, Harvard, and Columbia were invaded and eventually taken over by godless humanism. Now, that philosophy has spawned the teachings of evolution, civil rights for the promoters of sin, perverted sex, rebellion in the young, deterioration of respect for authority, fatherless families, abortion on demand, same-sex marriage, and a host of other evils. Unfortunately, many believers have been distracted by hope in politics instead of faith in God. Perhaps the Christians will now get back to the business of the Great Commission. And there's a link to the full article if you want to read that. And then they have a little cartoon here. And it says, Department of Homeland Security, it's a guy giving a speech. And it says, he's saying, Our email scanners have been programmed to flag a new term for possible terrorism. And that term is Jesus Christ. That's where it's coming to, essentially. Now, they've got all kind of red flags, nuclear, chemical warfare, atomic bombs, gas, pipe bomb, assassinate. Okay, but now the next term they're going to insert in is Jesus Christ. That's where we're coming to. And the Bible says in Luke twenty one seventeen, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. So, that's the way that we should expect things to literally be. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So when you see any big religious leader, like the Pope or Billy Graham or whoever else, Smiley Joel Osteen, when you see these men that are highly esteemed, even in the world, that's an abomination in the sight of God. Jesus Christ wasn't highly esteemed in the world. I mean, so much so that they basically everyone turned against him essentially, and they crucified him. So that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So anyway, um, that kind of related to what we were talking about here, so I wanted to insert that. Next report. Uh, Let's see here. Do you think the government will be there for you in the middle of a crisis? If they can't handle the emergency response... After her, after Category 1 hurricane, which was Sandy, what will this country look like when the economic and fiscal crisis comes to a head? What happens if the U.S. dollar comes under attack from foreign creditors who choose to no longer accept it in trade? How will we as a nation import oil and food from such a scenario? And then I just saw this article off Steve Quayle's website that was entitled, China persists in refusing to allow U.S. paper as a foreign LTM purchase of treasuries. And they plunge to a three-year low. Steve Quayle note, this is a huge for everyone. Repudiation of the U.S. dollar by the United States' largest creditor. So, it kind of backed up that last statement that I just said. What if the monetary easing by the Federal Reserve causes price increases so drastic that current employee wages or nutritional assistant allotments provide only a couple days' worth of food? What if states and local municipalities are so broke that they withhold pay from the government employees like police officers and emergency medical responders? We're talking about the potential for an absolute credit freeze that will make the situation in New York spread across the nation almost overnight. Now here's a lesson in irony. The food stamp program administered by the U.S. Department of Agriculture is proud to be distributing this year the greatest amount of free meals and food stamps ever to 46 million people. 
Meanwhile, the National Park Service, administered by the U.S. Department of the Interior, asks us to, quote, please do not feed the animals. Their stated reason for the policy is because the animals will grow dependent on handouts and will not learn to take care of themselves, end of quote. You get, you get the irony here? The government is encouraging as many people as possible and creating an environment where as many people as possible are totally dependent upon Satan. Okay? The government. Yet, the National Park Service says, please do not feed the animals because obviously the animals will grow dependent on the handouts and will not learn to take care of themselves. No irony there. Ask yourself this question. Are you prepared to take care of your family? If you cannot answer the question with the affirmative, it is time to just stop listening to alternative media and thinking of it as an entertainment, but actively taking, and, and the Bibles we're going to see here in a second, but actively uh, taking the advice seriously and consider if you have to, a plan to take care of yourself and loved ones if the situation arises. Because if you look around this world, if you look at the mainstream media, they're forewarning you about what is coming. There is a disaster coming. Get ready for it. Make sure you're spiritually, mentally, physically prepared from what is coming. Preparation regarding the end times. I've read these verses before. I'm going to go ahead and read them again. Um, because there's, I think, good to be reminded of regarding the day and time we're in. Revelation 6.5. We're into the tribulation here. Okay. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and, beh- and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Now this is future. This is what we should expect in the future. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, what does that word measure mean? It's derived from the Greek word Conics, which is a dry measure containing two sarati, which is less than a quart, or as much as would support a man of moderate appetite for a day. Okay? So you say, well, that's not too bad if I can buy it for a penny. You know? I got a lot of pennies. Well, let's look at what the actual literal usage of the word penny means in the King James Bible. That word is derived from the word denarion which is a Roman silver coin in New Testament times called a denarius. It was the principal silver coin of the Roman Empire. From the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, it would seem that a denarius was the ordinary pay for a day's wages. So in other words, in Revelation 6.6, it's going to get so bad that a measure of wheat for a penny would be just to buy a a measure... um, which would be the, the amount of wheat that would support a man of moderate appetite for a day is going to cost you a whole day's wages. You would have to, in other words, work all day just to eat. That's a pretty bad situation. Okay, so this is what we're to expect. This is what the Bible forewarns us about. Obviously, going to happen. Okay, so that's, you know, pretty heavy-duty stuff we're looking at here. Now, if we have wisdom... We should prepare for this, like God instructed Joseph to do. Genesis 41, 34 through 36, Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, 
And let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities, and the food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine. Obviously, this is famine we're dealing with in Revelation. Okay? Um, that the land perish not through the famine. And then the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways, and be wise. So when we go to the ant and look at it, and look at how it does things, this is wisdom, according to the Bible. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat, meaning food, in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. This is, where, this is the thing that we're supposed to consider to be wise. She provideth her food in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. It's preparation, essentially. The Bible says, Proverbs 22.3, A prudent man foreseeth the evil. This is all we've been talking about today. We're foreseeing evil. We're seeing what the Bible clearly says is going to happen, which is a lot of evil times ahead, a lot of dark days ahead. The day cometh when no man can work. Jesus Christ even said it. The night cometh, I should say. The darkness cometh when no man can work. Prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The simple will hear a, a, a teaching like this and say, ah, ain't going to happen to me. Not going to happen. I don't believe it. You can, you can preach on that stuff all day long. I'm fine. I'm just fine. Everything's good. Huh. Well, that's your prerogative. But your blood's not on my hands. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if any provide not for his own, now this would be more toward the men, head of the household type of thing, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Whoa. What is that? Providing in that particular regard, and I broke down that word before, providing for your own. Would that fall under this banner of what we're talking about here? It's also self-defense. Is another thing that that word actually means. Providing. Providing food. Providing access to water. I mean, if you can do that, if you're in a position to do that. So, the Bible's pretty clear on the subject. Now, last thing we're going to talk about is the massive voter fraud. Just more evidence of what I've been saying for years and years and what was greatly evidenced in this last joke of an election. Massive voter fraud. Obama wins 99 plus percent of the vote in 100, in hundreds of precincts. GOP inspectors forced out, provisional ballots ignored. That's right. Similar to Stalin, uh, Saddam and Mao Zedong before him, President-elect Barack Obama supposedly won 99-plus percent of the vote throughout at least two states' um, precincts. There are more than 100 precincts, 100 in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, where the voting results can only be described as truly rigged. My comment, since the vote was supposedly 99-plus percent for Obama, I would love to see any exit poll results and sworn testimonies from people that didn't vote for Obama in those precincts. A lot of these precincts that had zero votes for Romney. Zero. Or, or 100% votes for Obama, I should say. Okay. Now, this is because I'm, I'm pro-Romney. I'm pro-against... I, I am against evil wherever I see it. I'm against vote-rigging and that type of garbage. It's evil. Okay. If you had a precinct... This could be so easily disproved. You had a precinct 
100% of the votes go to Obama. Now, you're in that precinct, you see the results, and you're like, I voted for Romney. Or I voted for whoever. Gary, that Gary guy. Well, get all these people together and have them sworn testimonies and say, this is garbage. I voted for whoever. I did not vote for Obama. And you're saying you have 100% vote for Obama. This is a lie from the pit of hell. Not only that, if there was any exit polls done in those areas, and the people came out and said, yeah, I voted for Romney, I voted for that Gary guy or whoever. There's another way. Why isn't that going on? That should be going on. No, no, we'll sweep it all under the rug. It doesn't matter. It's, it's irrelevant. We got our devil back in office. New World Order's happy, and, and we're just going to go on as business as usual. And he's going to finish what he started, as he's been saying. Let me read this again. Since the vote was supposedly 99 plus percent for Obama, I would love to see any exit poll results or sworn testimonies from people that didn't vote for Obama in those exact precincts. This would easily verify the massive voting fraud that took place. Easily. I tend to look at things like black and white. Why don't you just do that? I mean, it'd be real simple. Are we actually expected to believe that Obama got over 99% of the votes, 99 plus percent in those areas, and in many places, 100% of the vote, every single person in given precincts? In more than 50 different precincts, Romney received two votes or less. We're expected to believe that. Two votes or less. This was reported by Michael Snyder. The numbers cited in Michael's report came directly from the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections website and are very strange to say the least. Compare the numbers to the rest of Ohio and you will see a drastic difference. In other words, these this happened primarily that they're at least documenting in Ohio and Pennsylvania, which were two of the most highly contested swing states that Obama and Romney were both going after. They just so happened to occur in those areas, and these were the pivotal states that would have really decided the election. So Obama, when their, their electronic vote rigging process just had the, the machines rigged. They really wanted to skew it their way. They needed to get a lot of votes, so they just had it rigged to 100% for Obama. So you go in there, I mean, it was all kind of things where people were going in there and saying, I plugged in Romney, it came up Obama. All kind of reports about that. It's because it's all rigged. There's no paper balloting anymore. It's it's just so beyond easy to rig, and we've got into that in in previous studies. There's all kinds of reports, hacking democracy, blackboxvoting.org with Bev Harris. I mean, all kinds of people have exposed this. But it's all swept under the rug, and, you know, it doesn't, Satan doesn't want this stuff being mainstream news. In Philadelphia, um, the, um, Republican inspectors, the GOP inspectors, were illegally and openly removed from polling centers, and these are the very same regions that recorded astronomical percentages for Obama. It's unbelievable, the the massive voting fraud that went on. An article on Pundit Press documented this astonishing fact and posted an audio clip um, of the removal. Quote, according to the source of this audio, election officials in Philadelphia's 20th Ward, 1st Division, attempted to prevent court-appointed Republican minority inspectors regarding the minority party from doing their job to monitor the elections. They couldn't have the monitoring elections going on if they had this massive voting fraud going on. Here's the next report. Um, 2012 election fraud, zero votes for Romney in 68 precincts in Philadelphia and Cleveland. Zero votes. Zero. In 68 precincts. 
According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, Mitt Romney on Tuesday received zero votes in 59 Philadelphia voting divisions. Zero. There's even a map here on the Cuyahoga, Ohio one, that shows you precinct by precinct presidential vote in Cuyahoga County. Oh, which supposedly demonstrates the core of the Democratic Party's strength. They're they're acting like, oh, look, this is just amazing. Not one vote. What, what a bunch of black tongue liars. Obama won five hundred and forty two to zero in Cleveland Precinct two Q, the largest of nine precincts where he won unanimously in Cleveland. Romney received zero votes as well in eight other Cleveland and East Cleveland precincts where third-party candidates got some votes. (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. I totally believe that. That definitely happened. Can you believe that Mitt Romney received not one vote in 59 precincts in Philadelphia? World Daily Net has been allegedly... Democratic voter fraud ever since the election. Um, This is from this article that they're citing, and it says, It's one thing for a Democratic presidential candidate to dominate a Democratic city like Philadelphia. But check out this head-spinning figure. 59 voting divisions in the city. Mitt Romney received not one vote. Not one. You would have thought they would have been a little more subtle about rigging this. I mean, wouldn't they have wanted to program the machines like to have like a, I don't know, 95 to whatever, maybe 95 votes go to Obama. I guess they just got lazy and they were like, nah, we'd rather just have 100% because we don't want to try to rig as many voting machines across the... It's it's too much trouble. So we're just going to rig the ones we got totally for Obama. And then that way we can sweep all this under the rug and, and, and just go our merry way. Goes on to say in this article, was there not one Republican voter in in these 59 divisions in the Philadelphia area where unofficial vote tallies have President Obama outscoring Romney by a combined of 19,605 to zero as far as votes. Almost 20,000 people and not one vote for Romney. Not one. All of them go to Obama. This is the kind of wicked, evil society and country that that America is. Democratic apologists have no trouble looking into the camera with deadpan expressions and declaring that there was not voter fraud, though. (laughs) It's like a Muslim that goes and, like I said, they they claim the moral high ground and tell them how virtuous and wonderful and puritanical they are when they commit the, 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 you know, obviously that's actually really giving the Democrats a bad name, and I shouldn't compare them with that, but it's, it's similar to the hypocrisy levels that we're dealing with here. Okay, that's all I've got for today, so we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all you've given us, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord God, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save our souls, Lord. I pray if there's any listening to this broadcast that are not saved, that they go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the salvation tab, Lord. The Holy Spirit would convict them, Lord God, and their souls would be saved. And, or whatever manner you see fit, Lord God, to save them, I pray that their souls be saved. For it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, Lord God, that wherever your truth or your word is being preached worldwide, that you would bless it, Lord God, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, Lord God. I pray, God, that 
um, you would just expose this wicked, all the wickedness that we've talked about today and so many other teachings, Lord. I just pray to God that you would expose it, Lord God, and, and that, Lord God, wickedness and evil would not prosper in as much as it be your will, God. I ask all these things. I pray you'd use the, the body of Christ, Lord God, mightily in the day and times to come, that, that your name be glorified through us and that you'd use us to lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.